Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of Cash Podcast! What is going on, guys? You're tuning in the newest episode of the Fistful of Cash Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dale Lippin, in here recording solo tonight because soup. Had a doubleheader basketball game, and he's feeling pretty tired, so we're going to go ahead and knock this one out quick, fast, and in a hurry. This episode of the podcast, like all episodes of the podcast, are brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Go to Stay Classy Meats, use promo code FIST, and get 10% off your entire order, whether that's a solo order or a subscription box. I know a lot of you have already taken advantage of that offer. I want to continue to encourage you to do so. Absolutely fantastic. Farm-to-table meats. Can't beat it. No GMO, no hormone, no nothing. Absolutely awesome, awesome, awesome meat. Uh, got some elk on the way. Really excited for that. And you can always check out our Instagram as well. Uh, anytime I decide to fire up the grill and throw something on there, I usually take a picture and put, throw it up on Instagram to try to get you guys uh, a little bit more hungry. So that way you take advantage of that deal. That's good. And let's take advantage of it. Also use promo code CASH20 to get 20% off any and all hemp uh, products at savinggraceoil.com. That's promo code CASH20 to get 20% off. Let's recap a couple of things from this last week that just happened. The biggest, you know, UFC pay-per-view card so far this year uh, went down. UFC 239 saw John Jones for the first time ever have a judge score a fight against him. Uh, did not see it that way. However, uh, we pretty much hit the nail on the head that said kicks would be the difference maker because nobody threw any punches. Uh, it was almost an entirely kick-based attack through both, uh, you know, from both guys. It was a uh, interesting fight to say the least. I think that Tiago Santos probably had more success in uh, fighting John Jones than anybody has outside the first Alexander Gustafson fight. It was very interesting. Seemed a lot closer than it had any right to be, at least as far as what, you know, most people, myself included, were giving it. Can't help but wonder what would have happened or what could have transpired had, uh, Santos not blew out his knee somewhere around the end of the first round. It's 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 kind of wild listening to or reading rather the laundry list of uh, torn ligaments and damage, you know, because I suffered the exact same thing: ACL, MCL, PCL, and meniscus. The only difference is is that I did not do mine in a five-round title fight. I did mine in a game of dodgeball uh, with a bunch of little kids. So uh, I completely wrecked my knee. I don't know how he fought through that. Uh, it, that was the most excruciating thing that I've ever had happen to me. So, you know, kudos to Tiago Santos for be able, being able to make that happen. I mean, just unbelievable heart, grit, and determination on his part. Uh, I am forever impressed. Amanda Nunes is the greatest female fighter of all time. You know, we thought that there was inherent value on taking a legend killer like Holly Holm at plus 300, but that seemed to be the absolute right line. Vegas nailed it yet again, and that was the, the way to go. You know, Nunes looked really good. Uh, Holm looked good right up until she didn't. The only thing that I really 
was nervous about watching that fight was she was very jittery with her hands. You know, she seemed very unsure of herself. She seemed very unsure of when it was the appropriate time to go and engage, which we said, you know, could be an issue because Holly Holm has seemed to have had some sort of, uh, I don't know, lack of trust in herself at times. She can be a, a bit of a head case in that regard. The Jorge Masvidal-Ben Askren fight went, you know, I'm not going to say it went the way anybody thought it was going to go. I thought Masvidal was going to win. Soup thought Askren was going to win. I was right. He was wrong. But I'll tell you right now, if you would have told me that Masvidal was going to come running across and, you know, flying knee Askren into the afterlife, I would have told you that you were a liar. So while I was, I feel good that, you know, Askren got beat, I do not, uh, I will not claim any sort of like I told you so style kudo points on that because that was a, it wasn't anomalous, but it was such a weird, uh, just wild knockout. I don't even think it was an accurate display of talent from either one of the guys. Uh, You know, it wasn't a showcase for Ben Askren's ability, nor was it so much a showcase uh, of Jorge Masvidal's ability. If anything, it was, you know, I'm not even, I can't even call it lucky because he threw it with the intention to hurt him and he did exactly that. However, it's like the uh, Connor Jose Aldo fight, right? When the first punch is the one that ends the fight, it's not really an accurate statement or assessment of either guy's ability. Uh, however, anything can happen when two guys are trying to punch each other or, in this case, knee each other in the face. And that's what happens. So that's what we're left with. Uh, Trying to think of what else happened. Oh, yes, the Luke Rockhold, uh, Jan Blahovitz fight. I, I stand corrected, um, you know, why I love the fan base so much, and I appreciate you guys. Somebody hit us up, and it's my, it, you know, egg on my face on this. I said Henry Hoof does not coach champions. That is not true. Kamara Usman and Ong Lang are both out of Henry Hoof's camp. That is my mistake. Uh, however, does not change what happened, which is exactly what I said was going to happen, that Rockhold was going to sleep. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I told you so on that, but I, there's a reason why we pick the things that we pick. There's a reason why we say the things that we say. And I believe that Rockhold, for all of his arrogance, should probably be done. Uh, he just, he has no need to fight anymore. You know, I, I I know the competitive spirit seems to lie somewhere deep within him there, but his chin is not built for 205. Uh, his body's not built for 185. And he's got other means of income and revenue outside of the UFC. Just go do that, man. Just go do that. You know, you were Strike Force champ and you were the UFC champ. You had a tremendous career. Just roll out, my man. Just roll out, make some money, model you know, do that kind of stuff and, you know, just, just let it go. That, um, that hesitation left high kick just isn't enough to carry you through. You're not crow cop. So you got to let that go. Uh, Diego Sanchez, full mental breakdown as expected, got just absolutely throttled by Chiesa. It would be interested to see how Diego would have been able to fare in that fight with a real camp, with a real team and not some guy that was standing there in the corner telling him that Diego needed to go full Tyson on him in the second round. That's not adequate corner advice whatsoever. And it was, you know, you hate to see that happen, but Diego needs to surround himself with more people that actually genuinely care about him enough to tell him that he's, that he's messing up. But let's get into this, uh, this card 
this weekend. It's essentially Team Alpha Male versus the World, UFC Fight Night Sacramento. Uh, this is going to be UFC on ESPN Plus 13, and 13 is accurate. This is a very uh, – this, this is an avoidable card, 110%. I'm going to cover this card because you guys tune in each and every week and you want the picks, and I think you deserve to have them. Uh, but here's the thing. We're going to put this episode out. You'll have it on Thursday morning, which will mean that you know we're still a day away from weigh-ins. We're still two days away from fight day, and there's a lot of things that are going to change. So most of the real, real big information as far as over-under on rounds, prop bets, things like that will be on the Instagram post as always. But there's a couple things on this card that I want to run through real quick, but we're going to cover all of the main card as we always do, which is going to kick off Cesar Mutante Ferreira versus Marvin Vittori. Vittori's been training with Kelvin Gastelum, which looks good for him, uh, 12 and 4. And Ferreira's coming back at 13 and 6. Vittori, if I'm not mistaken, took Israel Adesanya to decision. Um, let me let me double check myself here. Let's see here. He did. He lost a split decision. Uh in April of last year to Israel Adesanya. I figured that was that was right. Uh, the thing is with that fight, I remember watching that. I don't think that was a split decision. I think that Adesanya beat him unanimously. However, it was not a good showing for Adesanya. Uh, Mutante, on the other hand, Ferreira, is one of those dudes, man, where I just I would never want to fight him. He looks like every part of him is made out of gristle and hard bone and just... I, I'm I don't know, man. He just he's he's a tough dude. You know, he's got wins over Anthony Smith, uh, Jack Hermanson, Nate Marquardt, and Carl Roberson. Uh Ian Heinish, he he lost a unanimous decision to most recently, but Heinish is on a tear, so there's really no fault in that. Um, you know, so I I'll say this about I'll say this about Ferreira here. You know, quality of competition, I think he's faced much better competition. Looking at the odds for the fight, if you are looking for a good underdog, plus 125, I think Ferreira's got a real good – he's a real live dog here at plus 125. I'm going to take him there. Uh, on a card that's hard to find value, that's a great one to take. So we're going to take Ferreira there, plus 125. Next up, Carl Roberson uh, taking on Wellington Terman. Terman's sitting at 15-2, and two, and Roberson at 7-1. and one. Terman has a wealth of experience um, you know, the, my thing is with him is just lack of big fight experience. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's his UFC debut, and we know those UFC debut jitters. Roberson looks really good. He looked really good against Glover Teixeira until he, you know, basically until he didn't. Um, however, I feel like there is a good chance that this fight will be one that we're probably going to avoid altogether. And I say that based on the fact that Roberson is sitting at minus 225, so there's not a ton of money to be made there unless you're willing to put big money up. And Wellington Terman is sitting at plus 175. However, we don't have enough video on him. We don't, you know, and it's, it's his UFC debut. That's a tough spot to be in. I wouldn't even feel comfortable throwing Roberson in, uh, as far as a parlay goes, just based off of a suspect gas tank, Terman might come out and be able to stretch this into the later rounds, if you will, you know, uh, second half, at least the second half of the fight, I guess, since it's only three rounds uh, is a better way to put that. So I, I'm going to say avoid this fight. Um, 
I wouldn't even suggest taking a flyer on Terman unless you know something I don't know, uh, which is very you know probable. I'm going to go ahead and say avoid Terman in this fight, and unless you know unless you feel really confident in Carl Roberson getting him out of there, uh, I would go ahead and avoid this fight altogether. Minus two twenty-five. I don't necessarily see a ton of value in picking either one of those guys. It's going to bring us to our next fight of the night, and one where I think I'm not going to say the odds makers have it wrong, but I'm just confused at the numbers that I'm seeing. Mirsad Bektik taking on Josh Emmett. Uh, Josh Emmett sitting at 14 and two. Mirsad Bektik at 13 and one. Josh Emmett most recently slept Michael Johnson. Uh, you know, sort of a hail mary right hand put him out, and then. Bectic most recently fought in June of last year, taking on Ricardo Lamas and winning a split decision. Prior to that, his most notable fight that people gave a crap about is when he beat the dog shit out of Darren Elkins for three and a half rounds and then got knocked out with about 45 seconds left in the fight. Listen, I'm not taking anything away from Mirsad Bectic. I think he's a great fighter, obviously with a record like 13-1. and one. You know, he, he's been pegged to be one of the next big things in the featherweight division. However, Josh Emmett, I think, is coming into his own. Uh, you know, we're looking at, you know, since he joined the UFC, we're looking at wins over John Tuck, Scott Holtzman, Felipe Arantes. Uh, you know, that knockout of Ricardo Lamas was just absolutely wild. The, the knockout that he suffered at the hands of Jeremy Stevens was brutal. However, he rebounded in a way you want to see a fighter rebound after a brutal knockout, and that is winning in emphatic fashion against a guy like Michael Johnson. Quick hands, quick kicks, and he was still able to get the job done. I like Josh Emmett in this fight. He's coming in at an underdog, which is great. Uh, great value on him there, plus 145. I'm going to play Josh Emmett on this. This is a fight that the UFC wants Mirsad Bektik to win. But it's also a hometown fight for Josh Emmett. And, uh, you know, he's a Team Alpha Male guy, at least in that sense it's a hometown fight. I'd love to see him get the W here. Plus 145 on a guy that's 14-2, and two, taking on another guy that's 13-1. and one. Records you can't even look at. So, you, you know, you're really just going with, with gut here uh, and quality of camp. And obviously Team Alpha Male is one of the better camps out there, especially if you're a lower weight class guy. And Josh Emmett sitting at featherweight. Uh, plus 145, I like Josh Emmett in that fight. I think I think that's a, a reasonable uh, play on a good on, on a great fighter. Co-main event, we got the return of the California kid Uriah Faber taking on Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone 14 and one. Faber 34, 10 and 0. Faber is coming out of you know air quotes here retirement. Last fought in 2016 where he beat Brad Pickett by unanimous decision on 30, 26 cards. Prior to that, losses to Jimmy Rivera, Dominic Cruz, uh, back-to-back. So, you know, uh, the the last fights, right, that uh, if you're looking at guys that Uriah Faber has beat, uh, the, it reads Alex Caceres, Francisco Rivera, Frankie Sions, and Brad Pickett. Now, obviously, outside of title fights, uh, leading into those fights, it was almost as if uh, Uriah Faber was undefeated. There was a long time where he was undefeated outside of title fights. Is Ricky Simone the caliber fighter of a Brad Pickett, of a Frankie Signs, of a Francisco Rivera, uh, or an Alex Caceres? That's what we're going to find out on Saturday. You know, if you're looking at a guy like Ricky Simone, he's sitting with one loss on his record. 
He's, you know, been just an absolute destroyer in the UFC. Wins against Ronnie Yaya, Montel Jackson, and that Marab Devishvili, uh, which was a little bit of controversy of that. But anyway, all the same, you know, no slouch as far as the as far as the wins go inside the octagon. You gotta wonder um, what this kid's ceiling is. Vegas seems to really favor him in this fight, and which is you know much to the chagrin of a lot of Uriah Faber fans. But Simone's sitting at minus three forty, Faber at plus two sixty. I think Ricky Simone's gonna win this fight, um, and he's sitting at minus three forty. So I don't necessarily see the play on him there. However, I know you know that Uriah Faber occupies the hearts and minds of many a people, many a person, uh, soup included. You know, I, I I wouldn't be mad at anybody taking Faber at at plus two sixty, and I'll I'll say that because the quality of opponent that Faber's faced, he's been in the big show for a lot longer, and sometimes when a guy, whether it be fighting or basketball or golf or really any sport you know or even like a a motor skill you know as if it may be playing piano or guitar or something like that you take that time away um, and you heal up and then you you come back and you can sort of see things better than you could while you were actually in it you know uh, you're able to see uh, the, the, the finer points of of processes that weren't necessarily uh, you know, super clear prior to you stepping away. So it's not like Faber was out of the gym. You know, he's in shape. He just he just recently had a kid too. Um, normally, I, one of the things I advise against is betting on fighters that recently have kids until you can see how it affects them. Um, it, you have two different kinds of fighters that emerge after having a kid. You have Dustin Poirier fighters that have a kid and it motivates them uh, to be the best version of themselves, both in and out of the octagon. Um, And then you have other fighters that have kids and it's like they, they get hesitant. Um, You know, there's something more at stake. So they fall back a little bit. Um, th- th- there's less ability to pull the trigger. Uh, be anxious to see what kind of fighter Uriah Faber is as a dad. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with this fight. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to be mad uh, at anybody for wanting to see Faber win. Of course, it'd be cool to see the guy win. Um, this is an all-risk, no-reward fight for him. I don't really see what, what the point... I mean, maybe it's a paycheck. I'm not sure what the what the logic is. Maybe he just couldn't stand to have the UFC in Sacramento and him not be on the card. Plus 260. I mean, if, like I said, if you want to take him, go for it. If not, you know, well, it doesn't... It's avoidable. Uh, main event... I don't like bashing the UFC uh, too much. I'm, I have no problem bashing Dana White. I hate bashing the UFC um, as a whole because I, I love the sport and I love what they've done for the sport. This is a bad main event. Um, Aspen Ladd versus Jermaine Durandamy. Jermaine Durandamy, uh, you know, it's funny they put her on the card with another champ 
that you know essentially got got stripped and nobody wanted anything to do with you know Nico Montano's coming back on this card as well taking on Juliana Pena uh both of these ladies you know uh, I don't want to say they're black sheep or blackballed or anything like that but it, it's pretty wild uh how things have unfolded you know Durandamy was essentially stripped because she refused to fight cyborg um just absolutely refused to do it and then montano between the the, the failed drug test and the you know just the, the weight cutting issue and everything else in between um one of the sort of forgotten champions in, in ufc history both of these women uh aspen lad Sit at minus 170 jdr or gdr rather sitting at plus 140 now my I guess I wonder is where they're seeing such inherent value on Aspen Ladd here. She's got good power. She's seven and zero. Durandamy's eight and three. But if you're looking at quality of opponent, Durandamy's fought Raquel Pennington, Holly Holm, uh, Amanda Nunes. You know she's got and Julia Budd. She's got good. Um, she's got good pedigree of opponent. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm really unsure as to I'm really unsure as to where the the big favoritism towards Aspen Lads coming into. Uh, you know, I guess Aspen Lads' way to win the fight is supposed to be on the ground, but Durandamy I think has only been taken down one time in her UFC tenure. Um, I guess the power of Lad is what's coming into play here. TKO wins over Evinger, Lena Landsberg. Jessica Hoy, uh, Kelly Valesco, Amanda Cooper, and uh, Anna Carolina Vidal. I guess that's where it's coming from is the power of Lad. But if that's the case, you've got a you've got a kickboxer in GDR that doesn't want to go to the ground either. So I think the play here needs to be inside the distance. Um, just will the fight go the distance whenever that comes out? I'll update that on the uh, I'll update that on the instagram post i'm leaning gdr uh winning this fight uh, i think she's got cleaner more well-balanced striking um and we'll, but we'll see here i think the play is inside the distance Let's see what we can get that at as long as it's under uh or more favorable rather than a minus 200 i think inside the distance is the play that way we can just hope for a finish uh 25 minutes of fighting between these two women is a lot. They both have a penchant for finishing fights, and I don't see it going to the ground. And if it does go to the ground the way people think Aspen Ladd should take it to the ground, she should have a marked advantage there, in which case it's going to look better uh, towards the submission realm and ending that fight inside the distance. So let's go inside the distance for this fight, whatever it ends up landing at, as long as it's more favorable than a minus 200. So if we're looking at like minus 150 or something like that, consider throwing something rather sizable down on that. Uh, and that's really about it. There's a ton of fights on the prelims that are kind of interesting, but they're not really compelling as far as market movement goes. Uh, we'll cover some of those later on in the Instagram post this weekend. But that's it, guys. Going to get out of here short, sweet uh, this, this weekend. Let me go over main cities and all that kind of good stuff. Give some shout-outs here. Let me pull up our stat sheet here for this last episode. Let's see here. Oh, man. All right, top countries. The U.S., Canada, Australia, the U.K., Germany, Chile, 
Mexico, Europe, Hungary, Malaysia, New Zealand, Spain, Greece, Thailand, France, and Ireland. Appreciate all you guys. And then top cities, Victoria in British Columbia, Charleston, South Carolina, Honolulu in Hawaii. Glad to see you back towards the top there, Honolulu. Ringwood in Victoria, Chicago, uh, Coquimbo, Arlington, Jacksonville, Madgeburg, Burke, Las Vegas, Athens, Georgia, and let's get down here to like some of these ones where there's only a couple downloads. Let's see. Humble, Texas, Baraboo, Wisconsin, Dublin, Georgia, San Jose, California, Modesto, California, Memphis, Tennessee, Or City, Texas, and Kamloops, British Columbia. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Catch, uh, get with us on social media if you haven't done so already. Uh, follow us. And if you haven't, please leave us a, re- a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in get, helping us get an accurate metric of what you guys like and don't like. Uh, you know, A lot of you aren't shy in sending emails and hitting us up on Instagram. We appreciate that a lot. If you listen to the show and we've been on a tear lately and we've, you know, we've brought you any sort of value, whether you bet or not, uh, if you've got any sort of value, insight, anything like that from this show and you feel like it's worth something, let it be worth an iTunes review. Go on, leave us a review. Uh, It doesn't have to be written out if you just want to click the stars. Written reviews are always nice too. Just love, you know, the the positive affirmation and reinforcement and uh, appreciate you guys. So if uh, I don't talk to you this weekend, I'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.